in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power, oranges lust and blues you can trust, indigos feel and white ones heal, yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 550. The big one. The big one. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so tonight we are talking about a couple things. We're going to start off with Green Lantern number eight, and then we're going to pivot into some trailer talk. Are we ready to get into it? Sounds like a plan. All right. So Green Lantern number eight writer, Jeremy Adams, artist, Amanse Nahuelpan. Uh, colorist Romulo Fajardo Jr., letterer Dave Sharp, uh, cover artist Steve Beach, variant cover artist uh, Doc Shaner, Ramon Perez, and so, so on and so forth. There's so many variant covers, guys. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then that, we have that, Armaged- that Armageddon cover is just so bad. <laughs> uh, we also have assistant editor Jillian Grant and editor Paul Kaminsky. So this one is titled Hope No More with Hope Crossed Out. Um, uh, the cover title is Countdown to Armageddon, but we open up on Odom with uh, Razor explaining uh, kind of a little bit of his own backstory. He was on the planet trying to find himself, find his center, find his hope and uh, hold on to it, quote unquote, more completely, he says. And then suddenly it explodes. The central power battery explodes on Odom. Uh, we were hopeful. And then pirates came and he ran. He got his way uh, to Earth. Um, and Hal's talking about how he should have been up there. So Razor floats the idea that maybe he just, you know, something in him doesn't want to leave or something. And it's, it's all in his head essentially. So Hal tries to fly off the planet again, uh, falls back, right back down, uh, catches his breath and tries again and falls back down. Um, so uh, he comes back down to Razor and said, hey, it's not in my head, man. Uh, and right then, Carol Ferris shows up to chew Hal out for not uh, updating her on what happened since the last time we saw her. Because last she knows, she just got in a big fight and then she heard nothing from Hal. So she was worried about him. He lets her go. She uh, goes off. He says, hey, if you want me to stay, tell me to stay. She doesn't say anything. She leaves. So he says we have to go. So Hal tells Razor we have to go see someone um, to get help. Uh, they go to Greenwich Village in New York because they are going to go see Madame Xanadu. And she basically reveals a couple of things. Uh, she reveals a little bit more about what's going on with the blockade and that it's actually not just physical. It's also mystical in nature. She also reveals that Sinestro came to her for help. And 
she said, I thought getting <laughs> I didn't tell you because I thought helping Sinestro get off this planet was a good idea, basically. So she's saying, hey, you know, the green, the green guards, the secret, go to the place you felt the power. It will grant you entry. Uh, suddenly there are outsiders. She senses there's an explosion and some you know, United Planets Green Lantern Corps members show up to take in Razor. They think Hal is one of them for a second. And then they quickly realize that um, uh, they're he's not an official lantern. So they're going to take him in, too. So Hal starts the fight. Uh, Razor throws a couple of rocks. Um, then one of the lanterns channels fear, uh, seemingly intentionally, while another one channels hope, seemingly intentionally, uh, to subdue the two of them. Hal uh, is, uh, is is still fighting as uh, Razor has been knocked unconscious and the lanterns fly away with him. Uh, Hal, knowing he can't chase him down, turns to Xanadu. Xanadu says, hey, just, you know, what I said, you know, go to the place where you felt the power. It turns out that's that place that we talked about last time, which is uh, officially named as Jeremy Adams himself told us it would be uh, Monte de Santa Trega, uh, Aguarda Galicia, uh, just outside of Spain, I guess, or in Spain. He goes down there uh, to where he felt himself being supercharged last time. And the, the ground opens up beneath him with an ominous green light, and it says, Next, the secret of the green. Meanwhile, uh, in a story called the uh, called Good Talk, we it's written by Ron Mars, with art by Dale Eaglesham, uh, colors by Alex Kumares, Dave Sharper's our letter, and then, of course, the editors remain the same. Um, this is a Kyle Rayner story in which Kyle is opening up, kind of telling us a little bit about a past fight that he had early on in his career as a Green Lantern. And just kind of remembering the status quo as things used to be. You know, he was the only Lantern. There was no backup coming. It was him. It was always him. Uh, and uh, and nowadays he's trying to find his way again. He is uh in a construct New York, at a construct Radu's, uh, at a construct chair, sitting across from a construct Alex. Uh, and he's trying to find his way again. He says, I love the job, the ring. I love being a part of the core, but everything's so vast. So many cores, the entire emotional spectrum makes it harder to find my place. And then he does mention, he updates things about the quarantine and everything that's going on. And he says, I'm plugged into the emotional spectrum and something feels wrong. Um, someone or something is trying to disrupt it, maybe even destroy it. And he's like, I'm trying, should I be fixing it? I don't know. And he thanks for being there. And then all the construct fades as Joe shows up. He's on a little asteroid. He's been making this whole construct to kind of talk to himself. Joe shows up to talk to him and saying, hey, uh, I'm looking for you. Some of the lanterns are concerned. Something's going on with the United Planets. The lantern takeover, you're not going to like it. The two team up, they fly off to face it. And it says, Kyle and Joe are on to the truth behind the United Planets. And next month, it's Jessica Cruz's turn. So so do we think that means that we will see Kyle next month too? Or is it or just next month going to be the Jessica Cruz backup story? I don't know. We'll see, I guess, is the is the answer. I, I, I honestly don't know, because I guess we can just start with a backup story since we're already here. We might as well. doesn't matter what order we tackle all this in. Uh, I like the backup story. Look, Ron Mars, Dale Eaglesham, I'm in. I don't really care much the content. That said, I can't ignore the content. And we saw a couple of 
preview pages kind of leaked online. Um, it wasn't like leaked. It was an intentional preview page showing. And it was basically Joe showing up to Kyle and saying, hey, I found something out. Let's go. So if you only read those preview pages, in terms of getting what you need from the story, you already got it. You didn't need any of the rest of this. Um, that is not in a way to try and be mean or discredited because I'm happy to see Ron Mars back. I'm happy to see Dale Eaglesham drawing these pages. I am happy to see Kyle in action, even if it's a flashback. I'm happy to see the Radu's logo, <laughs> you know, like so on and so forth. It's just in terms of what is revealed of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages that we got out of the story in terms of what's relevant to the to to the story moving forward really only one page is the joe the joe page i assume you mean yeah yep it's interesting they choose to give it's like they pseudo are giving joe a pseudo font which is quite interesting it's not a particularly good one either but it seems odd that she she's at the point where she arguably is getting her own font now um <laughs> it's like i mentioned when we did the when we did the uh power the power story I kind of like the way Joe's drawn here for the most part. Obviously, though, when she's standing from behind, she's clearly drawn it in a much more streamlined fashion than the Jamal Campbell look. But uh, I do kind of generally speaking, I like the way she I like the way she looks here. And I do. I'm my overall thoughts on the Alex. The use of Alex doesn't didn't hasn't really changed from when you and I talked. I mean, especially since Alex literally says nothing as a construct. So she is literally a sounding board for him. Uh, I did like the Radu logo, like we talked about. I wish this was Daryl drawing the story instead. Uh, but I, it just points us more in the direction that we already know anyway that the United Planets are they're a bunch of assholes, and it's just a matter of exactly how de- how deeply embedded the you know the assholes are in the United Planets and how much that how how high up it goes across the board in every way related to what they're doing and how it relates to the emotional spectrum and all this stuff. So clearly, I mean, it makes sense on some level that Kyle would be able to sense something going on with the emotional spectrum more than most because of his ties when he was a white lantern, especially since how he became a white lantern, you know, he didn't get it in a more traditional way. He did it in an odd way by literally having to pseudo quote unquote master every part of the spectrum and become a white lantern that way instead of just getting a white ring or being gift or being the entity give, you know, giving you a ring or granting you life again or the ring. So it, it's odd. Uh, I'm glad we're going to start getting some answers to this. I I liked it. I liked the story. I, I would have liked it more if Daryl was drawing it, I think. So. Um, yeah, I also want to clarify just briefly what I was saying about if there's you know really only one piece one page worth of substance here that is not a dig on on daryl Be- the not daryl sorry eagle on, on, on no on ron mars uh in his writing because this is how ron writes ron always gave us little flashbacks or a little context or a little introductory things here and there uh in his kyle stories it was never just action 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 all the time there was there was story beats, there was reflection, there were moments of character building and conversation between people and and so on and so forth. So I don't it, you know, it's 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 not, you know, damn you, Ron Mars. How come you didn't give us more information and action on on your eight pages here? It's 
hey, he's probably going to be writing several backups and he's just starting this story the way Daryl, or sorry, I keep wanting to say Daryl, the way the way Ron always used to start his stories. Um, so there's 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 nothing, quote unquote, wrong with what Ron Mars has done here. It's just in terms of uh, I, I'm trying to think of this like in terms of maybe like a new reader who isn't isn't like isn't us isn't familiar with who who uh who ron is and how he writes and how he used to write these stories maybe they were expecting more revelation here uh and uh that might upset some people uh it doesn't upset me i just noticed it is all <laughs> yeah i mean i don't really think you need a big clarification on that it, it's just it's just from the perspective that the, the other stuff is just background and embellishes what we already know about Kyle on some level and, and gives you a little like a little scene that you'd never seen before. But as far as moving the overall plot forward, clearly the whole point, the, it really the whole point, quote unquote, of the, of the story is for Joe to go see Kyle out. Not sure why she necessarily would be seeking Kyle out in particular, other than maybe she can't find on pretty much any which would make sense that she couldn't find almost anybody else of the earth crew because we know how Hal's kind of sequestered guys off doing his Lobo thing. Uh, John, we don't know technically where John is timeline wise at the moment where this is going on. We just, it's either, either he's still on earth dealing with the, the revenant queen or that's already passed, but we, you know, there's still a, there's a little bit of wiggle room there. So, and we really don't know what the hell is going on with Jessica. So maybe in a way, Kyle would be the only earth lantern that she'd be able to uh, track down. But, it it just whets the appetite for 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 what's to come, and that's and so I am I am curious about that though, and again to to see how how closely tied what's going on in this issue. Obviously, when we get back to the main story, clearly implies that it is tied to what's going on with the emotional spectrum and why the power batteries are being blown up at the same time. You know, the, the United Planets are operating these fake, you know, the the, the these weird Green Lantern Corps operatives including the ones in this issue which obviously are dressed different and behave different these are much more skilled lanterns as a or quote unquote, yeah they're not the pushovers we're used to no they're wearing with the robes and everything as opposed to the uh little little armored the armored guys who look who are just horrible horrible at their job for sure i just uh i, I also want to say before we move on back to the main story just completely um i do like the little nod that we give that kyle feels something is off Kyle himself should, given his experience with all of the emotions of the spectrum and having been a White Lantern. Um, so I, I like that we're acknowledging that and dropping a little hint there that maybe that'll come into play later. But anyways. And plus, it could be. T- I mean, depending on what's going on here, there could be other reasons why Kyle, Kyle obviously could feel it. We don't know. Depending on what's behind it, it could have more ties to Kyle or, or his past and then we would then we but have any reason to suspect at the moment back to the now transitioning back to the main story. I still like to have an explanation for why the power battery was back on Odom since that's like how it went from Odom to what Elpis to back to Odom, which mm-hmm. we never, that seemingly is a continuity issue too. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I just can't. It's like, why bother? Why bother doing anything with the blue lanterns? If you're just going to crap on them all the time. I mean, enough is enough after a while. I mean, it's kind of, it, I know this is not unique to them because clearly it's going on across the universe, but it's the, the Blue Lanterns have had more than their fair share of being of of horrible things happen to them more than their fair share, considering they haven't been around that long. 
that it's like, hey, let's go back to Odom and let's have everything blow up again and then have have a pirates come. And it's like now we don't see St. Walker, which is interesting. We don't see any any Blue Lantern we would recognize. So that was one of my initial reactions with, with the prologue right off the bat. It's like, well, we can't we at some point there would have to be. So even if it's a kind of like the Philip Kennedy Johnson retconning the sister's name. So it's not a continuity problem. We kind of need some explanation for when they went to Odom and including in this universe, in this timeline or this universe, when Razor actually kind of hooked up with these people, since we even know Razor has never really shown up in the main book, mm-hmm. the main book before this. I did. I didn't like the way I mean, I guess it, I guess they're playing off stuff related to the animated show, which I had, haven't watched actually in a long time to, to remember the banter. But part of the way Razor was interacting with Hal might have been natural based on that. But I didn't kind of like his attitude at times towards Hal. Though I did kind of like some, uh, he was funny at times, and some of his ob- and some of his observations were were valid. I did like at least a little bit how he raised the idea that maybe Hal didn't really want to leave Earth, which I don't think was, which we know there's there's a there's a reason tying it into Carol that in theory that could have been true. I'm glad that it's not true. That and I do like I did kind of like the fact that as soon as Hal was kind of like waiting for Carol to say you know to stay. And she wouldn't do it. That Hal was like, okay, let's let's go get to work. Let's let's get to work. <laughs> it's like it's not like he didn't care, but he was able to flip the switch because it's like, well, this is what I do. I got to do it. And it just it doesn't really move the plot along all that much, other than the fact that you know, Razor gets kidnapped. You know, Razor gets kidnapped, which I don't know if you mentioned that he gets kidnapped at the end of the issue. And Hal, and that's when Hal goes to and Hal still has to. He's doing what needs to be done instead of like running. Well, not that he can really run off to rescue Razor anyway yet, because he needs to be able to get find out what's going on with his ring and the, and the green and the hints in the issue that basically the uh, the green is the key to everything, supposedly to figuring out what's going on. So that's part of why he's trying to figure this out, which will probably almost assuredly give explanation to where his power in, in this ring comes from and maybe adds more little pieces into the puzzle about what exactly is going on with the spectrum. and. United Planets, but it's interesting. I say overall, it's, cer- it's certainly a lot more interesting at this point than the uh, than the Thorn book ever was. Mm. Tying it into the green is interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, we've seen past, whether it's uh, alternate universes or whatever, we've seen different types of ways they've tried to connect the Green Lantern Corps to the green in the past. Um, whether it's the green, the green or not, I guess we'll see. But um, that's a, that's interesting to me in terms of razor razor was always just dry. He was never even, I mean, he's sometimes sarcastic, but most of what he said was just no tact straight, dry, just um, yeah. 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 Almost, almost, um, almost kind of like Drax in a way. But not as like humorous, I guess, of it. Like you know, everything goes over Drax's head or whatever. But yeah, like, yeah, Drax yeah. is Drax is so to- Drax is so toned out that even when he, that sometimes, not all the time, he's being an asshole. You can overlook it because he because he do- he literally doesn't know any better. With Razor, you don't necessarily get that. He's just and there's I mean there he tries to balance it out like he's pointing out that Hal shouldn't be kicking himself in the ass about what happened to Kilowog. Is number one, he did exactly what Kilowog wanted him to do so Kilowog would be happy at the end of the day and so how and on that same panel he's smiling even though he starts the whole scent of the great Hal Jordan savior complex I have not missed that yeah you know? that that didn't bother. I didn't like that I'll be honest that one I didn't like because I because Hal Hal's, Hal's comment was not I don't think was so blatantly 
unrealistic, not just for Hal, but in general, his comment that that necessarily by itself in a vacuum, I don't think that necessarily deserved that kind, that kind of response. So he, Razor was kind of he to me, he was. A, and again, this might have been more true to the animated series, but it's been so long since I watched it. It just seemed something. It kind of bothered me. Like I said, he, he was it, it probably and it wasn't necessarily from a writing perspective, because I think it was consistent. Sometimes he's saying things that you can relate to and how it could relate to. And he's speaking at the same kind of tone and point of view. And sometimes you, Hal's not going to like it or we're not going to like it. So I get it. It just I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I, other than our ties to Razor from the animated series, which I, you know, I, which we should like him because from the animated series, I don't necessarily think I'm overly en- enjoying this version of Razor so far in comic book form. But maybe that will change once we get once things play out and maybe if he gets a ring back. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like the inclusion of Madame Xanadu. I think that's cool. The revelations and stuff that we see there, the magic stuff, that was pretty cool. The lanterns uh, showing up, that was... So they think he's one of them, despite recognizing his outfit is different. Then he says, I'm not a United Planets lantern. I'm a Green Lantern. This is my sector. Razor and I were looking for a way to tell the United Planets that someone up there is destroying central power batteries and we need your help to stop them. Then they look at each other before declaring them both under arrest. I don't think they're responding to the I'm not a United Planets lantern part. I think they're responding to, hey, I want to contact the United Planets that someone's destroying central power batteries because now that we see that these lanterns are intentionally and pun intended, I guess, willfully act accessing other uh, other spectrums during a battle with such skill. This is this is definitely a United Planets is behind this whole thing. Uh, and the, them trying to detain Hal is probably, hey, somebody's on to them type of a thing. And it really bothers me. <laughs> But it is an interesting twist to see that they're intentionally using the spectrum. Yeah, and again, they're they're hinting, especially in, in this conversation that between Razor and Hal, that it's less so much that the Guardians, are, everybody assumes the Guardians are dead. They just assume that they're gone somewhere, which is kind of different from I think where we left off necessarily in the Thorn Run. But uh, so you, you you almost have to suspect the Guardians are they may not be back soon, but you have to think that there's a a plan in place for get them coming back maybe even sooner rather than later to figure out what's going on here. Um, I don't, I mean, I obviously I never liked, I've never liked the United planets as a concept, let alone what they, what, where we were introduced to them in the green lantern book, starting with the beginning of the thorn run. So this is not, this is like, you know, like under redundancy, redundant, the fact that you, that this was going to end up going this way, that they were going to be not, not everyone, and not everybody who works for them, but a large percentage of people, including the the upper echelon, uh, were going to be behind what's a, the corrupting of the Green Lantern Corps, the weakening of it as as a force, along with the you know the emotional spectrum use and misuse or abuse. And the question, of course, becomes where do they get the knowledge to do that? Since they were pretty they were pretty clueless, you would think. Logically, they should be relatively clueless. So that raises the specter about who who could be working with them and giving them this knowledge i think too so that's that's to me that's more that's certainly more intriguing than oh the united planets are bad guys it's like well that was fairly predictable and getting them out of the picture will be nice at least as far as running the green lantern for but the 
we're running dangerously close to this trope of always tearing down the lantern cores and destroying the central power batteries and things like that. I know it's not like it's a novel idea that the Green Lantern battery has been destroyed countless times, but I, I just, I hope the, pay, I hope the, the payoff is worth what we're getting with this, or else it's like, well, here we go again, just so they can rebuild a, rebuild another power battery down the road to make up for the ones that got blown up out of convenience. Uh, another thought I had, I really enjoy the art, especially once we get to the uh, Greenwich Village, uh, even before we see Xanadu. Um, just like I, I really like the perspective and the lighting and the coloring of that panel where Hal opens the door for some reason. I don't know why. I just think that looks cool. He's gripping the handle <laughs> weirdly <laughs> for a person who's opening a door. Um I just noticed that. Uh, why, why would you grip it there, Hal? Yeah, that, yeah, that, 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 that is, yeah, that is, that is kind of true. But even with that kind of handle, yeah, you would think he would be uh, on the other end, choking up on the, he's choking up on the bat a little there. Um, the art looks cool. You know, the the Xanadu herself, her chair, the cards, her jewelry. There's a lot of intricacy all over her costume and and her her tarot cards and everything. So that's really cool. Uh, it's very clear that the tablecloth is some sort of computerized effect just based on the way it looks. But otherwise, it's really, really well done. I will say I could be just a horn dog, um, but I think I found what you were missing from Joe in the backup story on Xanadu. Because if you look at the page um, right after the, the full page splash of the United Planets lantern showing up, that top panel, I think I found the ass that... Uh, <laughs> Sojourner is missing on Madame Xanadu in that panel because damn. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, yeah. listeners at home. Um, but uh, tell, look at that panel and tell me Xanadu needs the dump truck that she has right there, despite being so far in the background. <laughs> to, to, to to be fair. N- Actually, nobody in that panel is drawn particularly well. <laughs> even even the two, even the the back of the heads that we see. Even though I like the I like the metallic robot looking lantern in this group, uh, pseudo lantern. But yeah, she's always been attractive. Uh, so don't get me wrong, I don't mind seeing a dump truck on her. But like, good grief! <laughs> yeah, that, that that is an interesting choice. Maybe. If, if it was the same artist for the whole for the whole book, we'd say, well, maybe someone just said, don't forget to draw her, give her a big ass and forgot which character they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but that's just a funny observation. I just there's a lot of information here just in terms of see it. it this is what bogs me. It's 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 a lot of information, but not like. We knew Hal couldn't leave the planet before, but we still need two different sequences of him trying anyways. But that's because Razor puts puts the idea in our head yeah. that it could be in Hal's head. Yeah. It, but I'm just talking about what in terms of what the story reveals to us. Okay, we get the added benefit of knowing that it's mystical, although we probably could have assumed some of that before. And the only addition we get here... Because uh, we got the hint in the previous issues that something in that area that him and Sinestro were fighting at was supercharging him. So we knew he needed to go back there anyways. We get it's the green or something. Uh, and then that these UP lanterns are intentionally using other colors. I And you, you already mentioned this, but I would be interested to find out what the difference is, if any, between these lanterns and the lanterns we see in War Journal. Because because. Uh, we know that the two creative teams are working together. So is this like a 
an alpha lanterns versus regular core members type of thing where there's different kind of ranks within the system or are we, you know, is, is, uh, what's his name from war journal? The lantern we really didn't like. Oh God. Whatever. Is it it Varos? Varos? Something like that. Varos. I mean, it might be Varos. Might be Varos. Something like that. Is he just like, is he like a political political entry like a political you know like um what's the what's the higher thing um the uh, fucking nepotism uh is it a nepotism higher uh, like what uh, just the difference between these lanterns would be really because these ones seem particularly skilled and if they have the ability and training to access other parts of the spectrum why didn't any of the lanterns that we saw in war journal um so but that's my last thought on it yeah i I enjoyed I enjoyed this issue for what it was. I I I do think again we've talked about this before. I do think that the pacing on this is a little it's taking too long to get to the point. Yeah, I, I'm I don't want to say it's necessary. It's absolutely 100% is taking too long. I think it's I think it's running the risk of that being that being the consensus opinion. I think it because it's giving us. We can't say we're not getting anything in these issues as far as giving us hints about what's going on, but it's kind of like one little tid, one little tidbit per issue, and there's still a whole lot of things that we don't know about. And yeah, we are getting to the point where why this is the eighth issue, right? This was number eight. Was technically, eight? technically tenth. Yeah, technically ten, but no, that. So we we if we look at all the things we don't know yet, we don't know what what the United Planets is entirely up to. We don't know why. We don't know who's everybody who's behind it we don't know how that relates to earth being quarantined though they hint at it in this issue too that part of the reason why earth is quarantined is because of all this the metas so that's an so that and they hinted in the previous issue about crises so yeah so so at least you start that also raises the red flags as far as the united planets is because they want to keep earth specifically 28114 but earth specifically quarantined so that means it's unlikely or on the surface that anybody from Earth, all the metas could interfere in what they're doing. So you have that aspect of it. But we still don't know. We, and the whole Sinestro thing, what the hell's going to happen when Sinestro gets back to Korrigor? Um, the relationship, if any, between what's going with John's dealing with and the United Planets, probably not. But and then, but what what is John's involvement with the United Planets going to be once he once the Revenant Queen stuff gets wrapped up? Will he temporary you know much as anything ever gets wrapped up but for now yeah there's lots of pieces of this puzzle and we're not getting we're and we're not we're not getting that many hopefully based on the hint at the end of this issue plus i think what jeremy said when we when we talked to him that maybe issue nine is when we're going to find out what at least what the deal is with hal's ring if nothing else and why his ring acts the way it does and what and what the limitations are who knows maybe once he maybe once hal figures out what the ring is and why it works the way it does then maybe he'll actually be able to make it do what it can't do at the moment yeah that's true and um you know we talked to jeremy when we talked to jeremy he was he's aware of kind of the timing issues that the the um night terrors threw into everything so um yeah, we know it wasn't your fault, Jeremy, but still, it's technically 10 issues, and we still have a lot of the same questions that we had when we started with this series with issue one. So, 
but it's still better than I'm, the Thorn I'm enjo- book. Yeah, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm I'm happy with a lot of the art. There's a lot of good character moments, which is what I've been wanting in the Green Lantern story in a, for a while too. So I'm happy to see all that. Yes, yes, yes. Just not a not a I hated this issue because, but a hey, we recognize this is going on and it's a uh, you know it's starting to grade a little bit, but I'm still enjoying the ride. But just FYI, <laughs> come on, g- give me give me something. And Answer pa- some questions that I've had since issue one. <laughs> and, par- and part of the reason why they might be doing that or can justify it is because they keep throwing these backup stories. Yep. I mean, if you had more pages dedicated to the actual main story, you'd you'd almost have to be further along and giving giving us the reveals. So that's why it's. And some of these things you understood. I mean, the, the war journal stuff. That was. I mean, the, the John Stewart stuff was to do the prologue to spin off the war journal book and and you knew that and god god knows why but the sin sun stuff was to spin off the sinister sons book or whatever that nobody gives nobody is going to give a shit about in all likelihood the kyle story is like as nice as it is to see it probably really wasn't necessary as far it could have been uh, worked. i i disagree with you on that point i i'm i've been wanting somebody to play with all sides of the coin and the green lantern universe and if they're not going to give us an anthology series telling us where each lantern is and what they're doing then at least i like seeing them occasionally in a backup but they could have almost worked what they what was going on in this in this book other than the the relatively elaborate stuff with alex and stuff they could have almost worked most of this stuff in into the main story just in a couple of pages without it being a specific backup. Um, just because just to touch in, you know, just just to let us know that, hey, there's other Green Lanterns out there and or just or, or a catalyst or something happens on Earth. And then for some reason, then then they cut this, and maybe there's a correlation to why because Kyle's feeling the emotional spectrum. Maybe they could have had it cut to Kyle at that moment when Hal's dealing with these jokers or shortly after. I don't know. I, I liked it. I just think I think other than it, it being Kyle, and we haven't seen a Kyle story in a while. I don't necessarily know that it's I don't know per capita if it's worth the journey, if we could have gotten more pages in the main story that pushed the plot along more. I think I would have probably preferred that. But that's just me. All right. What's up next? I reckon it's time we talk about the Godzilla and Kong Godzilla times Kong Godzilla and Kong, whatever. Such an <laughs> odd title. The, the new empire. The second the second trailer that they couldn't bother giving us during the Super Bowl, but they told us was coming during the Super Bowl. That was released today as we're recording this on Valentine's Day. We probably yeah. should say the potential spoilers in here just because we're going to be discussing things that not just that are in the trailer, but things that potentially have been connecting dots, whether they're accurate or not. But that's very likely there'll be some speculation here. So if people do not want to people do not want to run the risk of hearing something or our analysis of the trailers in, in context and uh you might want yeah mark's to, intent on ruining the movie for me people i That's don't know i don't I, let's put it this way i don't know how it ends or anything so <laughs> i just i but but so far everything that i've heard kind of has matched up to what we've seen so it's but uh all right go ahead you start us off i mean i like the first trailer but i i like this trailer a lot like like you mentioned they they are seemingly determined not to show us a certain Titan in this movie, but then again, that's following suit because we never saw Mecha Godzilla. We saw Mecha Godzilla, but we never got full reveal of Mecha Godzilla in any of the 
uh, Godzilla versus Kong trailers. But people knew he was in the movie because the toys were out. Just like people know there's another Titan in this movie <laughs> working with Scar King because the toys were, have been out for a long time and the leaks have been out for a long time. Now the toys are actually coming out and they're available to order. But the point is there were leaks for a while letting you know that, yeah, they're like we which we we alluded to even when we talked about the la- the first trailer that there's two Titans against two Titans. Well, there may be more than two. But the point is, there's two bad guys in this. It isn't just Scar King. That Scar King, it has somebody working with him who you do see snippets of, pieces of, hints of in, in the second trailer. But I do like the I do like the fact that they this trailer is better. They kind of give you a little. They still don't give you entirely what's going on here. They give you a somewhat maybe revisionist history version of what the Godzilla and Kong and their species roles were. Not necessarily their full retcon, but they kind of I the thing that struck me more was the fact that they distinguished between the apes and the titans, which was I thought was interesting. I don't necessarily know if I like that distinguishing me. I mean, they, they could have been more in the conversation that they and the, that actually takes place to not necessarily make it to not in the real movie, make it sound like, yes, these are titans and these are great apes. They may not necessarily be drawing a line to say that they're not one in the same, but they may be subdividing it more in context in the movie, but that's not what we get in the trailer that basically the Titans were protected. Basically they protected nature and the balance of things and great apes protected humans, which, which certainly meshes with the Kong's relationship to the people of skull Island with, before even exploring that deeper, which you can take to the bank. You're going to get in this movie too, based on the things that we've seen or just in the trailers. So I did like that. I did like the fact that you did get to see a little bit of scar King, in action, I do like the fact that that his uh, his whiplash thing does look pretty interesting. It does look pretty cool. I mean, I still I, considering how long it is, there probably is a Godzilla spine. That's what I still think it is. Actually, I think it's a Godzilla spine in all likelihood. But I do like the fact that they kind of show you in this trailer why Kong probably ends up getting that glove, though it's not from yeah. the scene. A lot of people think because they think it's been. I know a lot of people have said, oh, when he put, get, puts the whiplash in Kong's hand and pulls it out, it's like, no, it's the wrong hand. <laughs> and Kong's left hand is the one that gets, it gets, it might get damaged from the whiplash, but Kong is essentially right-handed. If you've seen Kong with the axe, he, when he's holding it one-handed, he holds it in his right, he pretty much holds it in his right, his right hand. So he, it gets damaged when he's trying to block the rays that are being shot at him by all accounts. And what we see in the trailer sense tends to mesh when he's fighting the, the frozen rays being shot at him. That is what damages probably what's unfortunately going to break his axe, too. I believe his axe is going to go bye bye in this. Uh, doesn't mean he won't get a different one at the end, potentially, or he might just have the whiplash. But the reality is, I think that I think you see the scene in this movie that leads to Khan getting his arm damaged, which leads to him getting the glove. And that matches with things that I've read, too. I won't go into specifics, but yes, that's I do find it interesting that there were hints of it in the first trailer. The Godzilla and Kong were going to have a, 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 a at least a, a quick mini fight in this movie, even though it could have very easily been cut in a way in the first trailer that it's like, oh, no, they just want you to think. It's like, no, what you see in this trailer indicates that the first time they meet up again in this movie, they're not. It's not all like, a, hey, let's go out for a beer. And there are also things which I told you, but I won't mention here about why that that is and how it's not necessarily because, hey, it's not the same dynamic necessarily at work while they fight. It's it's that a necessity from trying to get trying to get Godzilla to get with the program essentially. 
which supposedly leads to another Titan, which we have. We again, which if you look close enough, I believe you do see on on freeze frames in this in this in this move in these both trailers actually. But the I do I I like I like the dynamic that they're setting up. They are. I did like when us uh, when Kong knocked out Scar Teeth Scar King's tooth. That was kind of cool. <laughs> You kind of, <laughs> to me, you kind of have a feeling that as long as he's got the whiplash and he can keep Kong at at, at a distance, Kong's going to be at a disadvantage. But once once Kong gets in close, you kind of have a feeling Kong's going to be. A, that's where Kong's going to do the damage, and why Kong will eventually be able to beat him is because of the fact that just like just like even in the beginning when you when you have Kong needing the axe to defend the the ice blast. That's pretty much seemingly all in the same scene when he first fights Scar King. And that's because, according to the plot, Scar King doesn't either. He's he's not necessarily afraid of Kong, but he doesn't feel at any point continuing the battle one on one. It's like, why waste? Why take the risk? And that's when that's when the other Titan comes into play. So I'm hoping this is what makes me nervous. I have no faith in Adam, Adam Wingard, generally speaking, based on the movies that he's given us, even though Godzilla versus Kong was not as bad as it could have been. It still could have been better. So this movie looks like on the surface, based on what you see and even based on what I've heard, that Kong might actually really get his due in this movie. But it still makes me nervous because Adam Wingard is the Godzilla guy and it makes it makes me nervous. But I'm hopeful. I'm a little more hopeful about this. I think it. I do like the idea of Godzilla and Kong working together. You know, the buddy cop thing, even if they're if it's grudgingly, like the line in the trailer that they don't have to like each other. They just have to work together. That the idea that yeah, you don't they don't they don't have to be hanging around the campfire telling jokes all the time, but they they are capable of coming together when with when the when there's a big enough threat because of the and that's why I think the dynamic they talk about it how they. How the Godzilla species in general, even though they talk more about the Titans, but it, but the way Godzilla seems to be in this in our time in this universe seems to be the protector of, of keeping things in balance. And Kong is kind of does a similar role, but he's also there to protect humanity. And that the, when these things come together and their goals are the same, then these two Titans and maybe more can come together and to deal with bigger threats. So I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty effective trailer. Um, yeah, it's uh, I thought it was a good trailer. It was fun. Um not what I was expecting to see. I was expecting to see, you know, the other Titan, um, uh, more so than the hints that we got in this particular trailer. Um, but, uh, it, it was cool to see some more action. I don't know that it hyped me up more for the movie than the pre- previous trailer did. I think given my interest in the franchise already, uh, both just Godzilla in general, and I'm talking, you know, including Toho and all that stuff in there, as well as the legendary universe that we've been building so far. Uh, I think that's already amped up pretty high enough to where I'm naturally going to be interested in it. Um, And there's nothing I saw in this trailer that takes away my enjoyment that I saw in the first uh, trailer. So I think I'm fine on both counts. Um, I will say I'm uh, 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 an aspect we haven't focused on in, in thoughts about this movie is the people who live in the hollow earth. And by that, I mean the people, people, the tribe, um, which look like they may be descendants of, or a, a separate chain of the, the individuals that were on skull Island. Skull Island. Yeah. I think that's where Gia's role comes into play. I think that, yeah, conceptually, which makes sense because of Kong's ties to, to those people and everything else, it would make sense 
I basically think on what they're trying to establish and mythology wise in this movie. Yeah. So I'd like to see some more of that uh, and understand what's happening there about the ties. You now we talk about Kong being a protector of people. So uh, hopefully that plays a bigger part um, that we see. I mean, obviously I still want to see big monster fights, you know, that's the whole thing, but uh, you're trying to build a universe here and you're building a lore, especially what we saw in um, King of the monsters when um, we went under the sea to that to essentially Atlantis, <laughs> a sunken city, and there was a bunch of cave paintings of of Godzilla and the people. Especially, you know, that 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 was also really interesting too. You know, um, if we're talking about you know who's the protector of the people, then why are people worshiping Godzilla and those uh, images that we saw in King of the Monsters? So that's cool. Uh, I'd like to see expanded mythology on that because we, you know, I, I talked a bit about this in the prior uh, iteration uh, when we talked about the first trailer. The old Godzilla movies also went cosmic on us a lot. They used to give us aliens from other worlds, uh, giving us space Godzilla and, you know, the origins for uh, one of the versions of Mecha Godzilla at one point and just all kinds of crap that was going on uh, back then. They'd like to throw in the alien stuff a lot in the old Godzilla movies. Um, and they kind of hinted at it in King of the Monsters, talking about uh, Ghidorah not being a part of this uh, Earth's natural biosystem, so him being an alien. So there's a there's a, a potentiality there that they could go that way, but they haven't really yet besides that one hint. So if the only other lore that we're going to build up is these people and their relationship with the Titans back in the past in that sunken city and then on Skull Island and then in, in Hollow Earth, then I'd really like them to flesh out whatever the lore is that they're trying to build um, there because uh, – that was always a fun aspect of Godzilla. Like, yes, it was cool to see the, the monsters and the fights and stuff like that. And I think I still haven't seen minus one. Um, uh, I need to very badly. Um, but it was good. It was very good. Uh, but there was also a lot of enjoyment sometimes with Godzilla movies, depending on what era you're in of the human story. And by that, I mean, actual humans uh, and, and their family or what they're fighting or, you know, if they're trying to get Godzilla's attention or get him on their side or whatever the case may be in those old movies. So the human story was always interesting, but it was always nice to have that kind of like third it factor, whether it was aliens or whatever that they were doing in the Toho movies, movies back then at the time. Uh, so this is the third it factor that we haven't really had a lot of buildup on yet. Um, and we've just seen hints dropped. Hey, Kong and his family used to protect these people. And now we're saying Kong is a protector of, or, you know, the, the apes are the protectors of humanity and so on and so forth. And then we see these cave paintings or whatever in the sunken city and King of the Monsters. We've been just getting hints this whole time. And we're so Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, King of the Monsters, Skull Island. So we're this is what, five, six movies into this whole thing. Uh, and we still haven't really built out that story. So uh, it is a, a sore point. I've been just sort of waiting for them to touch on. Um, action wise, again, looks pretty great. Um, I will say we're seeing more and more of Kong. He looks older and older every time I see him. Uh, um, got, got some gray all over him. So uh, uh, there's that. Um, I I don't want to name the Titans. So. There is a curiosity to me to a curiosity to me knowing who the ice Titan is seeing the scene where what looks like an ice blast is coming from the sky. Doesn't 
track with me in terms of the design of the ice titan if that makes sense how would said ice titan get into the sky um but you know we can talk about that you and i off mic or something but uh, that Pro- seemed probably retractable chad probably retractable <laughs> maybe um <laughs> The the scene where Godzilla is stepping into the ocean uh, and he's all lit up uh, all across his body with blue energy, uh, that looked sick as hell from that camera shot. So I was down with that. That looked really cool. If it's not part of the dream sequence, you have to assume that is what leads to him going into the in his cocoon to evolve, probably. Yeah. That's what I would assume. And I guess we were wrong about the idea, like stemming from the books, that there's a kraken, and that that's what that little cove is for. The cove is clearly a portal into the the hollow earth. Yeah. That they use. Um. So that's cool. And then of course, you know, we saw this in the first trailer. I think we kind of mentioned it. The the bloody handprint, um, that we see on that wall there, and then that you know, in your mind, flashing back to Skull Island when you saw a bloody handprint, and realizing that wasn't Kong's handprint. <laughs> So that's interesting. You remember that? In Skull Island, you don't mean the one in Godzilla versus Kong? No, in Skull Island, uh, after the battle, uh, you know, after after first encounter with Kong, um, and the the helicopters go down and the everybody's split up and they're all kind of trying to reach each other. One of the one of the teams walks across uh, near the river and there's a, a cliff face with a big bloody handprint on it. Kong's that, hand was too small for that at the time. Well, I know, yeah, at the time, but it, but don't forget his parents probably weren't. His parents yeah. were, but yeah, at least at least you are correct. At least now with the retconning of some of this history, that they, they open the door even because depending on if they give us a backstory on on how or when the surviving Kongs were basically kicked out of Hollow Earth, or they choose they chose to leave Hollow Earth in order to survive. Then you might it still could. I mean, it still might not be, but it could. But there may also be a tied tied origin into species enough where maybe that was kind of like a tradition that was carried on. But yeah, I but you're right. That could open that could open the that could open the door to that. I will. be. I'm also curious about these apes in the hollow earth because we don't get enough good shots of them here or in the previous trailer. Are they? the same size as Kong or are they like significantly smaller? They're obviously not the same size of regular apes, but like, are they, how big are they compared to Kong and per, compared to Scar King? They may they, be they're smaller, right? Or are they the same size? They may be similar or th- the same size as Kong, but they're probably smaller than Scar King. But then again, we Scar King's supposed to be so friggin' old that the reality is he could be as big as he is again, just because he's been alive for so long. And because it seems like the, the radiation in hollow earth just kind of keeps you kind of keeps you going and growing. Uh, I think because Kong is Kong himself, I believe is still shorter than scar King, but not, but not dramatically shorter. He's shorter, but not dramatic. He's probably not as, I don't know if scar King is as big as Godzilla. So if, so if somewhere out there, they probably already have the official height so we could find this out. But if scar King is bigger than Kong, but smaller than Godzilla, then we know Kong is going to be smaller than Scar King, but it would be more, it would be much more, it would be arguably less important height-wise versus versus Scar King than him. Plus, Scar King, obviously, he's his design's a little different because he he's he's got more like the orangutan thing in a way because mm-hmm. his arms seem much 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 longer for his body compared to let's say Kong. It will be inter- it will be interesting what we get out of there. Just like it'll be interesting if every single one of those apes turns out to be red. Or is that do we just get to see some of the apes are red? 
uh, is there or is there a reason why they're all red that may not necessarily be half you know so that that I'm, I'm i'm curious i'm curious about that but it's something and i'm just like i'm obviously curious to see what the status quo of everything is going to be at the end yeah i also wonder how much if any we'll see tying into monarch have you watched any or all of monarch yet no i mean i saw the i mean i saw bits and pieces of like the last episode i saw, like got the godzilla fight and i saw the the kong cameo and things like that but no i haven't really i didn't really watch the story so i yeah. don't there may be some there may be some loose ties yes to that or something they'll mention that if you watch the series you'll you'll, you'll understand i don't think it's going to be i don't think it's going to be critical based on unless there's some characters that we again that we haven't seen in the trailers that t- that, that tie into it because obviously we know Gia and uh, uh, what's her face's character that we already know them from and right I'm I'm more talking about the differences between um, Hollow Earth and the place we see in Monarch um, so but you have to watch the show to know what I'm talking about oh is this related to time yeah yeah um I do I did kind of get yeah I, I I do know some of that based on. Yeah. Uh, the character who's playing which character and so forth. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, basically, this this is kind of spoilers for Monarch people, but, you know, it's not not really the other place that you see in Monarch is not hollow Earth. It's kind of like uh, between space, um, but they've they've made it very clear on uh, the creator's side and stuff like that. But that the the space that they're in, in within uh, the Monarch uh, storyline is is uh, kind of like a bleed between Earth and Hollow Earth, um, so it's it's not the same space, which opens up a whole bunch of questions. So uh, yeah, you gotta watch Monarch. We'll have we we should have like an episode of about Monarch and just bring Corwin on or something. That yeah that 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 obviously is a obviously is a strong possibility that we'll do something like that. Uh, I think yeah I I I'm more optimistic about this and not just because we know this this year's slate of movies is pretty dismal on the surface without some surprise hits but I I really want this to be and I hopefully it'll do really well obviously Godzilla versus Kong would have done fi- much better financially if it wasn't released right during the time when theaters were just starting to reopen and and the day and date release garbage with WB which killed all their movies that year but still, I made a decent amount of money, even considering. So this certainly, you're, you're kind of hoping this one's gonna gonna hit pay dirt. So it'll be interesting to see how much more we get to see, in from a trailer perspective, how much more they show us. Are they ever gonna show us Shimu, or they're just gonna just kind of keep it completely under wraps? I mean, like you mentioned, if you slow it down in the in the Dries sequence, you can kind you can kind of see her or him, whatever gender it turns out to be. You see the eyes, obviously of that of that titan when which is what kong is seeing and when they're talking about what is that you know that that's what's that basically attacks kong somewhere during the fight with the first fight with scar king so they're just keeping that ice titan so under under wraps which is interesting because obviously the whole dynamic is you kind of like have almost like you have mirror images of the heroes going against each other you got the fire dragon versus the ice dragon and then you kind of have the good ape you know the good the good king versus the bad king ape and things like that so i do kind of i did i do kind of like inherently like that like that concept the you know the the two sides of the coin kind of thing 
Uh, I also would be very curious to see what the explanation is behind the tech glitches that we see all throughout this film. Um, because it's clear that the Titans give off some sort of a signal or whatever, based on like the Orca and everything we saw in King of the Monsters. Um, and, you know, you know, uh, Godzilla being able to sense Kong and, you know, sense, uh, you know, Ghidorah's uh, abilities being used within Mechagodzilla and stuff like that and attacking all those facilities. Um, but we see very clearly actual technology being affected throughout this trailer in terms of just, you know, random glitches and stuff like that. So whatever the signal is and what what what's going on thereabouts, that'd be interesting to see it, too, because it's not just happening during her little dream sequences. Um, so that's that'd be uh, cool to see them build up. Uh, another point I want to make, too, is because I was wondering, like, why do they why do the fights always have to take place on the surface and never just stay down below? Um I wonder also if that's just um, to make us really uh, see and remember that we're watching a giant monster fight, because if we watch it all in hollow earth, uh, everything scaled to, to them, you know, they're all giant monsters in a giant place. So when they fight each other down there without us and our architecture to, 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 to really back up how big they really are, it doesn't look like a big monster fight when it's down in hollow earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do, th- I, I do, I do think that that's some of it, and because obviously, like, just like that scene with with uh, Scar Scar King's tooth getting punched out by Kong, it confused a bunch of people for trying to figure out what that was at first, because it's like, and part of it is because of the scale, <laughs> so yeah. you have to realize how big, how big like Scar King is for that tooth to be like bigger than a car or whatever it is that gets knocked out, but then you realize, but if you, but but you realize. But you realize what's going on. And the other thing you have to appreciate about this movie, which seemingly is taking all the criticisms on the surface that we've gotten a lot with these with the legendary movies, is that it looks like the overwhelming majority, a huge percentage of the fight scenes in this movie take place not only not in the dark, but but they take place like in broad daylight. Good. So that looks. I mean, I mean, the I stuff love rewatching this 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 universe, but I hate watching the first movie because yeah, was, yeah that was it's bad. horrible. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, they got it's got better. Obviously, they've gotten better, but even the stuff that stuff that's going on in Hollow Earth between Scar King and Kong is just fairly well lit. But the stuff in Egypt between Kong and Godzilla is very well lit. Uh, when they're fighting in Brazil, that stuff. I mean, it looks the stuff. With Scar King and Kong, that's that's you know that that stuff is daylight. It's, so there's no, and we assume that at the same time Godzilla is going to be taking on Shimu. So the reality is, it looks like the major battles in this movie are going to be take the majority of them will be taking place in daylight. So that that that's a plus too. And CGI looks good. I mean Kong always looks good, but they're really doing a good job getting him to emote in this it'd be also be i'm curious to see how much sign language he uses in this movie i'm going to assume we see him use sign language more than we saw him use in the first movie because you would like to think that's pretty much now that's how the humans and kong can communicate not just gia and kong but now that people in general and, and vice versa can communicate because of the fact that that kong can speak via via sign language so I will I will say in terms of CGI, the worst looking CGI is, you know, quote unquote, son of Kong. Yeah, but he's supposed to be kind. he's kind of he's supposed to be cute and, and kind of like uh, this I teeny know. tiny thing. But I mean, yeah, it's it's not it's not as in, it's not as impressive. But let's 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 see how it plays out in the movie and everything else. I don't think he's not supposed to. Eh, 
He still looks better than Minya, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> he at least looks like he could grow into a threat. <laughs> Plus, he takes out that other ape with the rock in the trailer, assuming that that's not a that's that's not a sliced cut between two different scenes. He throws a mean rock at least. <laughs> yeah, baby Godzilla always looked like shit. He and yeah, and he was a pussy too. Let's be. He was cute. Both, I mean, both versions of baby Godzilla. Oh, even in the newer ones, yeah. But at no, least the, yeah, because there were two different versions of him. Yeah. But at least at least in the latter ones, like in uh the one versus Destroyer and everything, uh, at least I, he kind of grew up to look like Godzilla. There's no way you could think Minya was ever gonna grow up to look like Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he he definitely didn't. <sighs> yeah, they 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 did the the other babe Minya for sure <laughs> looked like shit. <laughs> it looked looked like some sort of stoned burn victim <laughs> but uh yeah other baby godzilla it's like yeah okay we can see the ideas here but what's with the gigantic fucking anime eyes <laughs> well they had to well i suppose they had to they had to always make sure you could distinguish between one and the other especially once especially in that in like that last movie when he kind of grew up you know when he kind of grew when he kind of grew up so i guess you I know the the size scale was still not the same if they stood side by side, but I think the point was to never to do something design wise that just by just by seeing the face you'd realize oh that's junior not the not not the adult <laughs> yeah yeah for sure oh god <laughs> unlocking memories with Minya because Jesus Christ <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of him now he's he's just like a like a, I, I don't know a stone burn victim is all I is all I can come up with. It's <laughs> it's horrifying. It, it, it's not peace. I mean, you're not being PC either. But my thought was more like it was special needs Godzilla. I mean, yeah. he's he's just I don't know. It's just there's just something there's just something not right something not right about him. But but hey, like I said, Pluto TV, go watch them all. They still have that Godzilla channel. I'm surprised they've had that Godzilla channel for months now. That. Um, no, you should you should watch Monarch, man. I've finished the whole thing now. It's good. It's really good. I will definitely try to do that. All right. Moving on to the next stuff, huh? Yes. All right. What other trailer do you want to start with? Well, we might as well start with the big one, the one most people care about, or it's more people are intrigued by, which is Deadpool 3, which now is officially Deadpool and Wolverine. Yeah. Which... But but the very choice of changing that title, obviously, it certainly implies that Wolverine's going to be a major factor in this movie. And if it's not, it's just shame, a shameless attempt at which it's not like Marvel hasn't been guilty of this before. Thus, the tying uh tying the Marvels into Thanos. But they would they they would get a lot of pushback if if they named this movie Deadpool and Wolverine and and Hugh Jackman only has like 15 minutes max of screen time in the entire movie. But so what did you think of the trailer as a as a whole? Uh, it was a weird start. The birthday party, the weird like um, vibe between him and Vanessa. Or, this is it's Vanessa, right? Yes. Um, and everything. I wonder how they're gonna address the cinematic stuff. I think that's the. I mean, that's what they're gonna they're gonna talk about it anyways, right? That's um, that's kind of the whole idea. But like, how they do it is still a question. I think we all have. The TVA being involved. Does the TVA even acknowledge? I mean, obviously they acknowledge a multiverse, but do they acknowledge that there's a quote unquote a world where all of this is just movies? 
Uh, we we don't know. I mean, that's another yeah. question altogether. Since the TVA exists outside of all the any one particular universe, they exist kind of like outside of time. So it's certainly possible that and and they'll probably inside. You have to suspect Deadpool's role in all this will tie into it. Will t- be tied into his ability to the way he time traveled at the end of Deadpool too, because it wasn't just a matter of going back in time. It just it, it wasn't seemingly just going back in time in that one timeline because they had the whole thing with, you know, he obviously broke the fourth wall with the Ryan Reynolds assassination and the changing uh, Wolverine origins, X-Men origins. So you would think that there's a, that probably will be part of that we'll get maybe at some kind of explanation or that will be part of the reason why they're recruiting Deadpool because of his uh, unique ability to do something like this. Uh, it also looks like maybe the Wolverine stuff that we see in the trailer might potentially take place at the beginning of the movie. Um, the reason I say that is because in one of the fight scenes, and I can't tell if this is the desert or the, the snow, but I think it's the desert. There's very clearly a 20th century fox uh, thing in the ground behind him. Yeah. So, like, you know, that would probably show up in the opening credits, and that's definitely something credits-wise, opening credits-wise, that Deadpool has done before in terms of, you know, incorporating stuff into the movie uh, in the opening credits. So seeing the 20th Century Fox logo crumble to the ground behind him, definitely a Deadpool thing. But I guess they're because of the involvement of the TVA and stuff, maybe they're just on a different world or something. I, because Fox isn't involved, it's Disney, like that whole thing. Well, it could be the um, vo- could be the void. Could it be a variation on the void, like the thing that you like you saw in Loki, with all those well, with the Thanos copter and all these different things thrown in. So like, that could be that could be a similar vibe because it certainly seems a post-apocalyptic when they're in that desert environment. Yeah, that's true, um, because you wouldn't expect 20th Century Fox to actually show the logo to show up in the actual opening credits in terms of them yeah. actually doing something with it. So, yeah, I suppose it could just be a visual gag for the for them being in the void and everything. And that's where he finds Wolverine because he's left behind in the void like that whole thing. So I guess that makes sense. Um, the action looks good. Um, but this doesn't change my initial opinion from our movie episode. Um Will I see it? Yeah, sure. But I really don't care about much of anything right now for this movie other than the the Hugh Jackman stuff. Like, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to think some of the action from Deadpool himself, some of the moves and everything that's going to look cool as hell. But um, in terms of actual interest, uh, this 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 trailer does nothing to really hype me up for it. I'm sure a lot of people are hyped for it. They definitely are. Um, but it didn't do anything for me to change my opinion either way, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, it's got a crap ton of views since since I believe it broke the uh, No Way Home record for most views. I think as a trailer by itself, it's a, you know it it is essentially okay. It's trying to it's trying to lay the groundwork without giving you all the details of what of how Deadpool is going to be involved in this multiverse hopping thing. We still don't really know all of that. Just like his whole did um, him being Marvel Jesus from his perspective. Uh, we don't we don't even know other than him being nuts. We don't quite understand the, the dots that he's being given that would make him connect that. But we also don't know what his mission is. Uh, but the good news is because he has no idea who the TVA is, that will help the audience who if that will make it not necessary for the audience to follow Loki to understand what the whole TVA is, because you're basically going to get a, a bridged version, a speed readers course version on that 
which will bring you up to snuff enough to know what the TVA is, or certainly what the TVA is at this moment in time, no pun intended. It was a little surprising that they hid Hugh Jackman completely. I mean, you know he's in the movie. The pictures of him in the yellow suit have already leaked. You didn't have to show him with his mask on uh, necessarily to... But I, I guess you don't necessarily need that either because, because again, you could do the counter argument. People know he's in the movie. So just giving that little that little teeny snippet of him from, be, from behind at the very end of the trailer was probably enough. It Plus, it reminded people that this movie is coming out this summer, which a lot of people already knew. But a lot of people probably forgot or did not necessarily remember the date. And this has been one of those projects that was delayed because of the strike and everything. So it's good to remind people. Um, yeah, the Wolverine part is I'm in. I want to see how they how they portray Wolverine in this. Obviously, they show you that, you know, what appears to, they're going to give you the patch version of Logan. They show you that when he set the card table. That's what it implies. So we also don't know how many different variants of Logan we're going to see in this movie. We don't know. Uh, we don't know if Hugh Jackman's going to play him exactly the same. I don't mean it's going to be a dramatic difference. Of course, if there's variants, you have the opportunity to do things. But I don't know if it's going to. I'm not saying he's going to give you a, like a 180 degree different performance just be, if they try to make it a, make him a more comic accurate Wolverine anyway, which was way overdue. But I but the thing I did like is they did a real other than the pyro reveal, they did a really good job at hiding a lot of the cameos or rumored cameos in this movie, which is I think. They're going to be smart about that, uh, especially now that Feige's back in control of doing the marketing and not the suits that were in charge when a Chapek was running the ship. That I think they're going to be a lot more careful about putting all their cards out on the table ahead of time, like they like they kind of did with Multiverse of Madness, which ruined pretty much almost every surprise in that movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it looks cool. I just I don't. Um... I'm not particularly hyped for it. I, honestly, I hope it's obviously there's several months between now and when this releases. So all kinds of different trailers and TV spots and all that releases. Uh, they definitely do need to show more of Wolverine, I think, just for the general public. But uh, they 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 definitely need to dial back and be very careful about how much Wolverine they show, I think. I think some of that's true, but I don't I don't know if it's a big deal if they show. I mean. Again, depending on how how many Wolverines we see and what Wolverine looks like, how many different like variations of what we, I mean, I think that could be something. If there's a whole bunch of different Wolverines, and yes, you don't want to show every single one of them, but showing some Wolverine, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's going to hurt the movie because people know, and that's arguably, like you said, that is pretty much the main appeal for this movie. I know there is a multiverse level appeal, but the main attraction is having Deadpool and Wolverine together in a movie and having their 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 dynamic their not even their love-hate relationship at least from it's like the Hugh Jackman ha 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 social media perspective it's more like a hate hate relationship that that's part of the appeal so I think I think they have to be more careful with hiding who else is in this movie even though especially if they're if they're only small little cameos they're not going to be major factors the pyro thing was fine because you know we haven't seen pyro in forever and pyro and it Endless and Pyro is he's kind of like a C tier character anyway, but at least you have to respect Pyro for he he's like dedicated to the cause. He and he started off he was like he was on the good guy side, but he kind of really wasn't he wasn't really committed. He's more he really naturally belonged on the other side. He's kind of like the movie version of what Rogue was in the comic books. 
since Rogue was a bad guy to start with, and but she never was really committed. You knew there were signs there that she could flip. And now, so it, it makes sense that uh, it's kind of cool whether he's working for Magneto or not, or whether he's working for who the rumored you know main villain is in this movie. Either way, it makes sense that Pyro would be a a lackey thereof based on his track record in the and the Fox first. All right, what's next? I almost zoned out. What what the hell is next? Uh, oh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes would be next. Mm-hmm. So you talk, but I th- I'm assuming that you like this trailer more than the Deadpool trailer. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, you know, and I said it, I said it in our movie app. You know, I I had no idea this movie was coming until we saw that first trailer. I th- I thought the franchise was done uh, for a little bit, and the next time we saw Planet of the Apes type stuff, it would be some yet another reboot or something uh, uh, in the future. And then we got the first trailer suddenly. And I was like, wait, what? Um, Didn't know that we were still going in this world. Um, So I think this does something that's really cool um, that we didn't get to see in any of the other three movies, um, which is we get now to see just ape life a hundred percent. Um, obviously the humans are still going to be there, but they're the, the dumbed down versions, you know, affected by the disease and everything in the first three movies, obviously, especially the first one as Caesar is kind of coming to, you know, human civilization hasn't, hasn't fallen yet. Um, and then in the second one, we, you know, it's kind of apes versus humans. Uh, and then in the third one, we still see lots of humans because of the general or whatever. And, you know, they're imprisoning the apes and all this other stuff. So now we get to focus solely the, we get to spend 100 percent of our time within ape culture, um, which I think is something that we were missing a little bit from the first three, regardless of to what degree you saw the human culture we still saw it in every movie we still focused on human characters uh and and took up a significant portion of our screen time with them and now we get to focus on focus in on the apes and i like that there's we're showing division within them uh different clans and different uh, ideologies um and i think uh, a lot of the mocap looks you know really well done i'm enjoying a lot of this and um, there seems to be some pretty good action sequences. Uh, it looks pretty well shot. Uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. Um, the king that's in here and him going for human technology and really wanting to expand things. But he's hunting humans and all of that. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, because in a way you you, you kind of, especially it, as you watch this trailer and there's a lot of the overlapping uh, just monologue from the king himself. Um, you, you kind of agree with him, like, Hey, the humans accomplished all these things, but the humans are no, no more, you know, how do we get to that point type of a thing? But obviously he goes about it in a very violent type of way. So nothing about this trailer makes me think any less of the potential this movie has. Um, so it looks like it was going to be a lot of fun. I did like in this trailer that we get a little, we get a little more expansion of the of the conflict in this movie and the duet and the duality of the societies, which they gave you a little bit of hint of that in the teaser trailer. But I mean, even without 
even without a lot of background, you kind of suspected that the Proximus Caesar character was going to be a bad guy. And of course, this trailer, again, unless it's cleverly edited, but there's no reason to think that's the case, uh, that he is going to be the bad guy and he's going to be t- the idea of taking. Now, the interesting thing, because, of course, of him naming himself Proximus Caesar, that gives the impression that it, if this is not part of the direct culture of the society that Caesar was leading, this is obviously another a similar or close in location culture and population that knew of Caesar, because you would think that would be the reason why they'd be unless unless this is a a hist, you know, unless they're reading books or unless they get taking Caesar literally from history at this point and not necessarily tying it directly to their Caesar or not. That's only a bonus, if you will. They're trying to do it for both reasons. It's like they're going to think we're doing it. The apes will think we're doing it to honor that Caesar. But really, this is the reason why I'm calling myself this. Well, they're still using Caesar's symbol in a couple of these scenes. You can see it. Yeah. Um, so it, it would make sense that they would be bastardizing uh, because that's a good reason to be able to maintain power, too, is because you're trying because because by claiming and implying that you are the true successor to Caesar. And it's been so long that nobody really knows what Caesar stood for anymore. Uh, and plus, you don't we don't even know what they're being taught that Caesar stood for anymore. Uh, for as far as we know, they could be be being taught that Caesar was completely for different things than he really was just because it suits the, the needs of this current uh, ruler to make him think, well, see, I'm just following on what Caesar did himself, literally, when it's not the case. Be curious to see if the if the if the younger ape who uh, is who definitely disagrees with his philosophy, if he actually does have ties bloodline wise to Caesar, you like to think probably there's going to be some ties there. Uh, it also would be interesting they kind of give you the hint in this movie that there's more to this to that one girl that meets the eye. You know, why is she smarter than the others and why? And again, on the sliding scale, even if she is smarter than the others working under the belief that she's mute too, what are they so afraid of with her unless they kind of view her potentially as the as the as the ironically as the Caesar of people at this point that maybe she could be the one that could lead them to rise up. So that's why she is the threat. It is it is interesting. I'm not entirely sure. I think it sells me a little bit more on this. I'm still leery because the, the last trilogy was so good and and mostly because without having Andy Serkis as Caesar, it's going to be really difficult to see. It'll be it'll be difficult to know going in into even maybe after the first movie to see if this character that basically is the new POV character is going to be powerful enough to make us, are we going to be able to relate to this character as much as we were able to relate to Caesar? Yeah. I'm looking at the comments for the, for this uh, trailer. It's specifically on the 20th century studios uh, channel. Everybody's super stoked for this. Um, It's one of the few times you see a lot of people, United. I feel like you got to scroll pretty far to find somebody who's hating on this thing. Um, it seems a lot of people are are pretty stoked for this to come out. So I'm I'm excited to see it. And uh, like I said, yeah, th- for me the big thing is is we're gonna finally be a hundred percent in ape culture now. So I'm excited to see you know this world fleshed out. Yeah, it's what 400 years later is what they said. Or seven hundred. I thought it, I thought you said it was three last time. I don't remember uh, the exact, but I mean, regardless, you know, we're we're so far along that we don't have to see a bunch of ties to the the previous movies, and um, 
you know, we can just see what they've built for themselves and it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, I think. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I want to see, I want to see how it's going to go as far as the, the fan reaction to that. This is an, this is interesting. I'm reading an article that's, and I, I have no idea what the deal is with this site. It says Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes screening went over very poorly. That was on February 13th. But that, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. But it is it is interesting because I'm it always I mean, it's really easy to say. We all know it's really easy to always say that there's going that there's there's test screenings that went poorly, whether it's true or not. And sometimes it is true. Sometimes it's not true. But it's really easy to say you know, no matter what, because you because because, you know, no one's ever going to confirm it one way or the other. So it's it's it's, all, it's one of those things where they will deny, 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 even if it's 100 percent true. So you can pretty much make the claim at any time and kind of have immunity from it. So yeah. I'm hoping it'll be good, though. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking for it. And, and like I said, if uh, if we see like really any good eight performances, we definitely should pay attention to that in terms of mocap act, acting just because circus is basically the only one anybody ever talks about. So um, recognizing some key talents from whatever we see of this movie is going to be important, too. I agree. I hope it's good because because we know the last trilogy, even with its flaws and its uh, advertising issues, that they were three well-made movies that had th- had something of real relevance to say about about society in general. So which has always been the thing with Planet of the Apes movies. So that you you hope at the very least that even if this is not up to the same quality as that trilogy or some of the best movies from the original five, that you would hope that at least it has something relevant, something relevant to say and important to say about society as a whole that people can, that will resonate as opposed to more or less like a cash grab. It's like, Hey, it's a franchise that we figure will put asses in the seats, even if it's not going to do ridiculous money, but it'll, but we know it's pretty much uh, it's got a built in audience. So let's take advantage of it. I hope it's more. I definitely hope that's not what we'll be saying when we go see this movie. All right. Anything else? I guess we'll talk about wicked real quick. Uh, uh-huh. I know I mentioned wicked, uh, wicked almost made, I think my top, my top five list, I believe, uh, when we talked about it, talked about a listen to movie preview episode. I did see Wicked centuries ago now. It was like 11 years ago, almost 11 I, when I saw it on Broadway. So the eyes so this uh, the origin story, if you will, about the Wicked Witch of the West and Glenda that uh, kind of following that tradition of, hey, you know, the villain really wasn't the villain. Once you realize what's going on behind the scenes then you have a d- different understanding. I thought the visuals looked good. I thought that uh, I was really, other than Ariana Grande being in it, I really didn't know her, pay much attention to who else was in the cast of this movie. Now, it's supposed to be uh, one of two parts, too. They didn't really say that in the first in the teaser trailer. But yeah, I see is- that on the YouTube channel for this, because one of the top comments is I want to mention that this features footage of both parts of yeah. this movie. So some of these scenes will not be in Wicked Part One this year before people freak out when they re- later rewatch this particular trailer. Yeah. It, it, so I, I would certainly hope by the time they do the second trailer on this, they at least make it clear to people that this, it's going to be split into two just for that reason, because you don't want to wait to the end. And or heaven forbid, don't not market it at all 
until you know and just kind of leave leave on a cliffhanger or just hope that you know via social media people realize that it's it's a two-parter when the movie comes out instead of explicitly telling you this but I liked the musical. I thought it was cool. I, you know, the, t- the take was interesting. It's interesting that they probably not surprisingly that they gave they kind of give you that that little snippet of Dorothy and, and company, which really is a, really was a non-factor at all. I think maybe than, other than like a reference or, a, or a, a cameo or two in the in the musical. I think there was I, I think Dorothy was in the. But it's ever it's ever it would have to it would almost yeah it would almost have to be because of the fact that they're telling her telling the Wicked Witch's story and how she quote unquote supposedly dies, and you know that I think they almost they almost would have to show you what we have already come to know in Wizard of Oz. So I that's why I think Dorothy was in it. But these characters are not a major factor in it, so you have to be careful with playing that up too. But uh, I am yeah, yeah I. I I'm not huge on musicals. I ha- there's some musicals I like, but I I certainly at least at the moment would plan to go see this. Yeah, I have no attachment to Wicked. Never seen it. Uh, never read any of the books stuff or uh, any anything like that. So, but it does look cool. It looks well shot. It looks well made. So, uh, I'd definitely be be curious to take in the visuals. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, I I I definitely would be going into it cold in terms of any source material. So. Um, it'll be a wholly new experience for me. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters or not. Um, I mean, just honestly speaking, the amount of stuff I even see in theaters this day is staggeringly low. Um, so, um, I would probably say not, but it does look cool enough to be considered to be watched on the big screen in terms of the, the visuals here. Yeah. And I think, I think when we get the next trailer, I bet. And I know some people, which is odd to me, that were complaining about the special effects in this trailer. When I didn't think there was a problem with that, I thought as a, I thought it looked beautiful on some level. So I thought, yeah, if you slow things down, maybe frame by frame, and you look at certain things, because I know some people have been nitpicky about even some stills from Godzilla and Kong, making it sound like, oh, it doesn't look, you know, I'm worried about the special effects. It's like sometimes, honestly, people have too much time on their hands. Uh, Actually, often people have too much time on their hands, sometimes us, too, that the reality is, I think that I think it looks fine. Visually, you would think you would think the things this movie would have working in its favor would be besides the songs and the ability and just would be the visuals to make to, to capture the, you know this uh, Oz and everything. So I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue with this movie. I think it, it'll be I mean, I'm curious to see how well to see how well it's going to do to see um to see how much of an interest obviously you would assume ariana grande will bring some asses to the seats because of how popular she is uh so that yeah and it's got an interesting cast a pretty eclectic cast when you go what jeff goldblum i think is in it and uh what's your face uh Michelle Yao, uh, I always say what's her face just because I drew a blank because I'm staring right at her and for some reason I drew a blank. So yeah, I think it's an I think it's an it's an, a very intriguing, very intriguing cast and I thought the musical by itself was was pretty fun. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it in the in the movie. For sure. All right, you want to go ahead and close this out? I have my stuff ready, which I don't, you know, which is so ironic because I was planning on having this open, but I got sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> well, by luck of the draw, we have time, so it doesn't matter. Uh, 
lanterncast at gmail.com. Website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or voicemail, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. Now, regarding Manly Bands, I don't know if you checked out their site as we speak, but as we're recording this, they actually have a 25% discount, which confuses me. If you go look at their site, there's like a countdown on it, which I don't quite understand if it means it's because it's, they say it's a President's Day it's a President's Day discount, 25%. While they saw the 20% for, val- for Valentine's Day, they have the 25% across the board Honest Abe discount code, but they have a countdown on it, which confuses me because it makes it sound like it's going to end. But yet, why would you have a President's Day discount that's going to end when it's on the we're recording this before Valentine's Day? I'm confused. So besides our Lantern Cast 30, 30% off any DC collection Manly Band ring, if you go to a Manly Band site, when, when, when this comes out, it's possible you're going to have a 25% discount off on anything still available, too. That's it. <laughs> so Lantern Cast 30, right? Lantern Cast 30. That's right. Uh, specifically the DC bands. Just yes. so. Yes, I think I said that. But the Lantern Cast 30 is on the DC collection. And if that 25% is still valid, it appears to be off site wide. Um, so. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.